God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So let me ask you that question. What does God tell? <laughs> well, you know, thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when did God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially the Bible is a collection of God Conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident and I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that dream or that thought was actually just me thinking about, oh, I just had some bad pizza? Jesus said we'd recognize his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. Jesus' final words to us were to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he then sent his Holy Spirit to help us do that. The call of a Jesus follower is to bring God's heart and ministry to those in our community. But how does that work? What does it look like to work with the Holy Spirit in our communities? Hi, and welcome to the God Conversations podcast. My name is Tanya Harris, and I'm a pastor, practical theologian, author, and the founding director of God Conversations, a ministry that equips you to recognize and respond to God's voice. It is so great to have you on the show today. We welcome all our new listeners right across the world. And I believe that this topic is really going to bless you today. It's all about the Holy Spirit at work in community. And we have a very special guest who's an expert in this area, but he's also a friend and an all-around really great guy. (laughs) But he has been seeing the Holy Spirit working beautifully in his community, and I know that you're going to be inspired by his testimony. Along with his wife, Rachel, He is a leader of Yeovil Community Church in the southwest of England. It's a vibrant church which is pioneering in this whole area of community transformation. And he's also part of the key leadership team of Jesus Collective and a ministry that has come out of Canada that is all about helping churches and people who follow Jesus to look like Jesus, if I could say it that way. This man is also the author of a book called Unknown. What if God's not like that? Welcome to the show. Welcome to God Conversations, Pastor Adam Dyer. Oh, great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Cheering in the background. To talk about this. <laughs> it took a long time <laughs> to set up this episode because England being England on a different time zone. So great to have you. Very late over there, Adam. But I think um, it's just so great to have you. And you and I met a year ago only. Is that right? Now? Yeah, not not even that. Yeah, but like May, wasn't it? So, yeah, nearly a year ago. Yeah, in the far-flung city of Toronto in unusual circumstances because <laughs> yeah. I was meeting with the Jesus Collective team and somehow we, you know, you scored an invitation and came along to our lunch. Do you remember? I, I remember. I That's do right. remember. And, yeah, of course and I then, Scored an invitation. You made, you made me sound like I was like scheming and like no, I, I was, uh, I was, as I understood it, willingly invited. But if that's not how it was, then we can <laughs> we can the whole thing. Well, you know, having a Brit amongst us all was a bit of a challenge. <laughs> um, and then um, we end up in the same hotel, and of course, you had a car, and so the 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 flatmate, the roommate I was staying with, we tended to just freeload on your car all the way to the conference every day, I recall. <laughs> um, we had some great conversations in that car. Yeah, we did. Yeah, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Adam. You and I connected uh, with the same heart for 
ministry that is very much looks like Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. And right. it was just so, so much resonated with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself for the benefit of the God Conversations community. Okay. Yeah. So I, um, I am what you would call a reluctant church leader. That was never my ambition. That was, in fact, it was the, I, I you know, I was one of those fools who prayed that prayer, like, I'll do anything for you, God, except don't ask me to lead a church, which, and then you know where this is going. There's a reason you're praying that stuff, like, because you kind of have a hunch that this is where the whole thing's going. You're going, I'll do I anything think so. but and, um, and, but that is what I ended up doing. And, um, yeah, you know, it was a, so I've been this kind of reluctant church leader. And a lot of that is, you know, because I had a, I had some damaging history with the church. My dad was a church leader and he failed morally and he was, you know, like it was difficult being a pastor's son when what he taught and what he lived were not the same thing. And mm. I kind of, in that conservative, um, kind of fairly religious type church, it was, that was my whole upbringing. And I kind of, I came, I came out of that and was like, you know, I know God's real because I've had so many experiences and I, God's spoken to me so clearly on so many occasions. I recognize when the Spirit's flowing through me. And I know God's real, but I just don't buy the whole church stuff. I don't buy the whole Christian stuff. Like, that's that's my problem. And I had to really, I had to go and I had to go and wrestle through how much of what they've told me is not true, how much of, um, so I, I just, I think I did quite a lot of that. What we would now call deconstruction, I did a lot of that at a very, young age i was kind of fast track like through that stuff and and yet like god was so real for me through the whole thing like that god it wasn't real like was never a question for me i knew god was real i just needed to understand what this whole thing was supposed to be about and so then when i when god kind of started called me into church leadership in all the dramatic ways that he did that um for me it was kind of a bit of a negotiation i was like okay, fine, if that's what you want to do, that's fine, we'll do it. But, like, we have to reimagine what this is, right? It yeah. can't be what I've experienced. Like, and and I just felt this whole permission to go, yeah, no, let's dream it. Like, what yeah. what do you think it could be? And and for me, I was, there were Adam, just can some... can I just jump in, uh, jump in there? Because I, I, I'm just reflecting on what you've just said. And I think even in the current climate today, there's a lot of people who are facing perhaps something you have already tried to reconcile this, a little bit of a disillusionment with the church as leaders have failed right. or created um, disillusionment, if you like, because, yeah. you know, things are being exposed. And I think COVID perhaps um, has kind of shook everyone up and there's a lot of people asking yeah. questions how did you reconcile uh what you had seen in church life with the experiences of god that you had how did you now obviously that's not a five-minute yeah. process listening what would you say would be good some good ways to walk okay through that? yeah i think for me there was a there was i think what i would view as a blessing is this very stark like my 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 frustration was what I'd encountered in church. It wasn't what I'd experienced of God. It was what I'd experienced of church was my frustration. And I and I think I learned really quickly to distinguish between those two. Jesus, I didn't have issues with. I was fascinated by him. I, you know, sometimes thought he could have done things a bit more dif bit differently. He could have been a bit clearer about some of the things if he wanted us to really <laughs> be passionate about those things. He should have made it really clear to us and those sorts of things. But they. Uh, so for me, that 
if we want to call it deconstruction, that was just not a word at the time that was being thrown around, you know, 30 something years ago. They, but for me, it was, um, it was that, um, I know Jesus and I know what the spirit feels like in me and through me. Like I know that stuff. And there's a whole bunch of this stuff I don't understand, but I know that's, I know Jesus. And so my deconstruction was centered around Jesus. I want to, and even when it was like, okay, I want to understand like how to lead a church differently. How can we do this differently? It was my, my issue wasn't, Oh, what great idea can I come up with? My pursuit was, how can I rediscover what you had in mind? Like I, I even, I remember sitting at my desk, like right here on and just going, okay, so like God's plan is the church. So either he's terrible at plans or we've missed the point on this and we're getting this wrong. Like, and my, my hunch is it's B, like, <laughs> yeah. like it's a hunch. And I'm going to run with that. Like, because maybe I want to read this. So I want to, it was, for me, it was a journey of kind of trying to rediscover and recapture what did God have in mind when he came up with this plan of church? Like, what was he trying to pursue? And, and what is it that when I look at church, I go, that just doesn't fit anymore. And there were things like, you know, for me, I was like, this should be good news for everybody. Yes. Not just good news for a few and terrible news for everybody else. Mm. Like, this should be good news for everybody or at least almost everybody. Like, this should be great news. Yes, there might be some powerful people who are disrupted and who are disturbed through this movement. Maybe it's not great news for them or it doesn't feel great news to them. But for, for the vast majority of people, this should feel like great news. If God's involved in a community, the whole community should be blessed by that. They, everybody, whether they believe what we believe or not, this yes. should be good news for everybody. Yeah, that's great, Adam. And and that was kind of a, a driving principle. Like if if we decided that we were done in, with the Oval and we're going, you know what, as a church, we just think we're all going to move out. We're going to go somewhere else. I Would our community notice and would they care? And for me, I was like, I hope that they recognize that because we're here, God's here somehow. Because we're here, there is blessing that goes along with this, regardless of whether they attend on a Sunday. Like, what does it look like for everyone in our community to see as as their church, whether they attend on a Sunday or not? Hmm. What does that look like? I love that, and I really want to unpack some of the outworkings of that posture that you have taken. Um, But again, let me just backtrack a second. You said you knew what it was to have the Holy Spirit in working in and through you. Let's go back to your journey. How did the Holy Spirit speak to you? How did the Holy Spirit reveal God's self to you? Oh, like certainly, I mean, I've got dramatic stories and I've got subtle stories. Um, How about one dramatic and one subtle? Okay, so... I mean, I remember being a young, fairly young, like 12 years old, 13 years old, that sort of thing. And I just, I just knew stuff about people. Like, I just had this sense of like, and I go, and I was kind of like, you know, it's one of those things you go, well, doesn't everyone just know that stuff about like, when, and you're talking to someone and you kind of, and you just see these patterns and you see kind of, oh, I see what goes up to here. This is, and these are the next step. Like, I remember being a young age and kind of going and just knowing that stuff. And, but every time I knew that stuff, like 
I felt the most alive. Like, like can you like, give us an example? Like, well, it felt like, um, it no, not 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 any one specific because it just happened all the time. But I right. would, um, but I would sense the spirit flowing through mm-hmm. me, and mm-hmm. and like like um, like I don't know what's the. I don't know, sherbet or lemonade or something really fizzy running through your veins. But like, like it was like the most alive that you can feel. And I would feel that around any number of things, but I'd also be able to discern something's not right. Hmm. And sometimes that was just a check in me. Sometimes there would be times, and it's still this is still the case now, sometimes I'll be mid-sentence and I just feel like the spirits say, shut up, stop talking now. And I go, okay. <laughs> Something, something's not right in that concept. I just need to not yeah. go there. Yeah. I was about to tell this. I was about to say this thing. I need yeah. to like, uh, yeah. just these checks in my spirit. They're, like those, there's those little things. But then, I mean, there's and then there's you know, if you if you like life moments, life moments, and you're just like like where God for me, just in unmistakable. So, and often it's when God's telling me to do things that I don't really want to do. So whether that's going to go to power college, I'm going, no, I don't like Christians. Don't make me go and live with them for a year. <laughs> that's a, like, and, and then God just go, I just want you to call them. I go, well, you know, I just, I, I think I'm negotiating with God. And he's like, okay, well, if I'm going to go, I'll go to this Bible college. I'll only go this year. I'm not going to refer a year. And it starts in like a month. So there's not going to be a space and I haven't got any money. And, uh, and God's going, I just, all I said was call them. And I'm going, yeah, but you don't understand. Like, this isn't going to happen. This is ridiculous. They go, just call them. Like, I don't care whatever you, whatever negotiations you want, just call them. And I call them and they're going, yeah, we might be a call. God told us someone was going to call. We've saved your space, fully funded. See you in a month. And you're going, I don't understand how this stuff <laughs> You're just like, you, know, you think that. you're negotiating and God's just like, no, we're not negotiating. I'm just like, <laughs> and then I remember this other side, this was quite an amusing one. It wasn't amusing at the time, but like there was like, God wanted me to go and say something. This was a few years after my whole dad's ministry had fallen apart. They'd kicked my dad out of the church, but also my mum wasn't her fault. Me, my brothers wasn't their fault. Everyone out of the church. And even like legal documents kind of going, you're not allowed to set foot on this, on our property and stuff. Like it was, it was harsh. And like, there was this point and God said, I want you to go and say some stuff to them. I want you to go and say these things to them. I'm going, no, 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 I don't want to go there. Like, why would I, why would I do that? Like a little bit like um, Jonah, I don't want them to repent. Like, I don't burn. Like, literally, I don't want them. Like, and it goes, I don't want you to go and tell them. And so I had this nudge. This is the nut story. So I had this nudge, and I just like, felt like God was saying, I want you to read Ezekiel. And I'm just in my, I was in my dining room in the afternoon, and like, like God says, I want you to read Ezekiel. I'm going, oh, Ezekiel's heavy going. I'll read Ephesians instead. It still starts with E. I like Ephesians. So I read it, literally, I read Ephesians instead. Oh, like, you are a naughty, naughty like, one. How do I mean? Just, just I always like negotiating with God. And so I'm like, <laughs> I love it. I'm like, that night I'm in bed and I'm praying because um, I, I need to go. I've, God has manufactured this situation that I actually need to go and set foot on this church ground. I need to go to a meeting because I'm planning some big town wide, city wide event. So I need and a meeting being held at this church. So I have to set foot on the like on the grounds. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to go, don't want to do this. If I but if I go, I'll just go to the meeting, it's fine. And God's going, I want you to talk to them. And um, so I'm in bed and and I look up. So 
I'm sat up in bed, Bible open. I look up. There's an angel stood at the end of my bed. Like this is this has never happened to me any other time. Like you know, and everyone's going, "Oh, but I'd love to see an angel." No, no, you don't want to see this angel. Like this angel was not happy. Like was not impressed. Was not there going, "Oh, God thinks you're amazing." This angel was going, "I told you, I told you to read Ezekiel. Read Ezekiel." And then brings his big sword down and like breaks his barrier that's kind of in. I'm like, I'll read Ezekiel. It's fine. Like, like he wasn't messing about this angel. And yeah. um, so I read Ezekiel and it says, go and tell Ezekiel too. Go and tell them what I've told you to tell them. Like, if you don't tell them, it's on you. But if you do tell them, then it's on them. Mm. And I'm like, okay, so I need to go and tell them. So I went, tried to dodge it, but still ended up having this conversation with them. And my friend was there and he called me up. Afterwards, he goes, what you were like, what was up with you in that meeting? You weren't even really there. Like you were so distracted. I was going, oh man, let me tell you what happened. Like told him the whole story. And he went, so where, what time was it when like God said to read Ezekiel, but you read Ephesians instead? I went, out of that whole story, that's the, that's the detail of clarification you want. Like you're going, yeah. What time was it? I was going, I don't know. It was like two o'clock yesterday afternoon. He went. That's so weird. At two o'clock yesterday afternoon, I felt like God told me to read Ezekiel and I read Ephesians instead. And I was like, what the heck? Then I called my mother because I said I said some stuff and I was advocating for her and stuff. And I went, I need to let you know, Mum, I've had this conversation with the church. And um and I said, you know, and I had to read Ezekiel, I read Ezekiel too. And Ezekiel two says, she went, Oh, you don't need to tell what Ezekiel two says. I was like, I get you. Like, what do you mean? Like, you just know it? She's like, yeah, my, I went to do my Bible reading this morning and my Bible opened on Ezekiel 2 and I couldn't physically turn the page. So oh I, it wasn't God. the Bible reading I was supposed to do, but I wasn't actually able to turn the page. So I just decided to read it. I read it four times. Wow. I know exactly what it says. That's I was like, phenomenal. that stuff is like, so there's crazy stories like that. So, but, but, but I'm, I'm missing some pieces here of the story, Adam. What happened? <laughs> What was the point of going to them? Was it act of reconciliation or what was it? It was it was it was a challenge because they'd not behaved well, but it actually was about restoration for them. But they didn't um they didn't take that on board at the time. But you were just so, saying you were just saying that these actions really saying, or I wanted to reflect it wasn't about it wasn't about me. There was but it was like a, I feel like God's giving you an opportunity of okay. reconciliation. Okay. I feel like God's giving you this yeah. Thing. yeah. Um, but they and they. I feel like this is what God might be asking you to do, and it's weird, and I get it. But and and they came in, but they sent me like an, an email, a letter back, going, "Oh, we get that this is really stressful for you. If you need counselling, you know, I'm going. No, this wasn't about me. Like this yeah. anyway. They didn't. It go reminds it. me of that scripture that says, "As far as it's up to you." Right. Move towards reconciliation, but obviously yeah. there's always two parties and people have choices. Yeah. But it's about so that was a keeping our yeah. hands right, isn't it? But that yeah. was a dramatic kind of encounter with God. But I, yeah. I think it's always kind of had this like I know that God's in me and through me. Yeah, yeah. So then it's just like, what's next on the ride? I love it. What a great story, Adam. Thank you. We are talking to Pastor Adam Dyer, Yeovil Community Church leader and also a key leader at Jesus Collective about the work of the Holy Spirit and community. And when we come back, we're going to delve more into that. How do we see, how do we work with the Holy Spirit as we bring good news to people in our community back soon?
What does God sound like? How do I know it's Him? They're the questions I asked myself at 21. I'd read stories of God speaking throughout the Bible, but I'd never heard His voice for myself. So I decided to try it out. Speak, Lord, and if you make it really clear, I'll do whatever you say. My new book, God Conversations, is all about what happened when I heard God's voice. It won't tell you how to hear it as much as it will show you. As Jesus promised, we can all recognize His voice and know it enough to follow. Buy it now at godconversations.com. Back with you with Pastor Adam Dyer. So great to hear some of your story, Adam, your story, and perhaps a bit of a challenging one, given that you, the church wasn't always behaving the best that they could have in your history. So God's called you into ministry. You've gone to Bible college and you're confronted with this question, what does church look like when it's Jesus-centered and Holy Spirit-led? And I know that your church today is very much defined by the work in the community. So tell us a little bit about that story. How did that unfold for you? Well, I mean, man, I was I was really blessed in the um, in the church God put me in, and and there was already a a tradition of like it was one of the first food banks in the country, if not the first. It was, and so that's kind of currently been running for 35 years or something. We ran a parent-toddlers group. They decided to have this building where there'd be a coffee shop open through the week. So they already kind of had the ethos of, we want to be this space for the community and we want to be this church for the community. And then, but I actually went down there as youth leader. That was my first kicking and screaming. I went there as youth leader. That was kind of my negotiation with God. I'll care about the young people. Don't ask me to care about the adults. Um, and so I went as youth leader, and even in as I was youth leader, I was kind of, I'm going to be out in the community, I'm going to be in the schools, I'm going to be on the skate parks. Like, if you want your kids to be discipled, they can come with me and do this stuff with me. That's how we're going to disciple, but I'm not going to babysit your kids while you, while you go to church. Like, we're going to do transformation. And so I kind of had a... Um, I guess a bit of a high bar and, but they knew like community transformation. Even when I was, you know, I set up this internship program. So we would bring in 10, 12, whatever interns, maybe more a year um, from around the world. And I would engage them in youth ministry and teach them youth ministry, even though I no one had ever taught me youth ministry. Anyway, it's a weird thing. But um, so I would, I would do that. And, and then the council, I would be involved in meetings and like the council would go, Oh, we've got this problem on this estate. Um, you know, the kids, there's curfew and the kids cause another trouble. Can you do anything? And be like, but we can. And I go and talk to the local church on the estate and go, you've got building, I've got youth workers. Like, can we do something? And we'd work together. Or there was an Anglican church on another estate and they were going, there's no community space on this at all. And I was like, well, you guys have got a church hall. Can we turn it into a community center? And they were like, great, let's do that. And so I went and found the funding. And I, so the church already knew that that was kind of my ethos. So when they kind of came and said, yeah, we agree. We think this is time for you to lead the church. Like they knew what they were getting. So for me, then it was just kind of the expansion of that. So we run families programs. So families who are in crisis get referred to us by social services or by teachers, health workers, whoever it might be. Um, they get um, referred to us and then we work with them, support them, put mentors alongside them, have professional link workers who work alongside them, organize the various agency support um, advocate for them with the school or with social services or whatever it might be, um, and coordinate the response around the family. So we do that for about 200 families at a time. 
um, at the moment. So that's quite a big project. We're also the refugee centre. So any refugees that come to the United Nations, we get to resettle. But any Ukrainian refugees also that come in, we run hubs. We look after the hosts. We do English classes. We create culture classes. We help kids get into education. We help people get into employment. We help. Incredibly active, Adam, and I know you're extremely well connected. Where does the Holy Spirit fit into all this? Right. So it's it's part of that ethos, I guess, that um, we – I think I grew up with a narrative that said that the only thing really to care about was people's souls. I could argue theology with anyone. I just had to get them saved. I need to get them to say a prayer so they go to heaven when they die. Ticked off. And I think I just came to this understanding that the gospel, the gospel's so much bigger than that. They, we're not, it's this, there's this Titanic gospel, I guess, that I was brought up on. You know, everything was created perfectly in the beginning. Very quickly into its journey, everything went wrong. And now we're just trying to save the last few people before the whole thing goes down. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that Titanic gospel Interesting way of describing it. And um, yeah. yeah. And but for me, there's this much bigger gospel that is about the reconciliation of all things under Christ. Like all things are going to be restored, all things are going to be renewed under Christ. The the where the trajectory of where all this is heading, you know, we have apocalyptic literature, which is not a new thing. Apocalyptic literature is about the end of the world. But our apocalyptic literature ends up with a city of God descending and residing with us here on earth, like the restoration of heaven and earth. So it's a surprising ending for apocalyptic literature. And they, therefore, if we believe that we're, 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 we're co-creators with God, we're co-conspirators with God for the reconciliation of all things, we're invited into partnership with God to bring restoration to all things, then that happens around it's not just their soul we're trying to save, it's their social, it's their physical, their emotional, their mental. Like, we're looking at the fabric of society and we're trying to bring restoration and reconciliation to all. Yeah, that's good. Because all of those things nudge things towards the end goal where all things are reconciled into Christ. And so... It reminds me of Jesus. <laughs> so the co- we're co-conspirators <laughs> with the Spirit. Jesus like, it's, mm. this, it's this... It's, when, it's not this. I was, again, I was brought up this gospel privilege. Romans eight twenty eight. God works all things for good for those who love Him. Very famous verse. If you're having a bad day, someone will come along and say that to you and just want to punch them because I'm just not the time. People don't say that to me right now. But this actually, actually, what the Greek says, and it'll probably say a little little footnote in your Bible. It'll go alternative translation. God works together with those who love Him to bring good in all situations. Mm. That's a much bigger story. Yeah. One is. Gospel of privilege, God's going to make everything good for me. The other is the gospel of participation. God's going to work with me to bring good everywhere. I get to participate in this kingdom. I think when we change that story, we we get to work in collaboration with the Spirit in all these areas. The Spirit isn't just what shows up when we play the right, sing the right songs and, and get the right key change and the right balance between drums, drums and guitars, whatever. The Spirit is what shows up in families who are trying to navigate brokenness and chaos and like whatever they're going through, people who are escaping war zones, the spirit shows up in the homeless. And and we have a lot of our church who volunteer in this stuff. And people used to say to me, well, you know, how many, you know, A, how do you get so many volunteers? And that was about, well, you change the story, like we live this biggest gospel. But also then people would go, well, how many of those people now are coming to church? And I'm going, oh, no, you misunderstand why we do this stuff. 
We're not doing this to populate the church. We're doing this to evacuate the church. Because when you encounter Jesus in the homeless person, you encounter a different Jesus to the sanitized Jesus that we might sing about on a Sunday morning. They, When you sit with the family who are going through grief because they've lost a child, they, mm-hmm. you, you encounter Jesus differently in those situations. Mm-hmm. And we are working with the Spirit in those situations. That's where, that's where the Spirit shows up. That's where God is at work, in those moments of desperation and brokenness and fear. And so we get to see the Spirit working and we get to see that in really tangible ways and and we get to work with people who profess christianity and people who say they're atheists and not christians and we get to see the spirit working in all of those people and and there's beautiful things that happen and there's some really you know very obvious things that happen there we see people coming to you know clear declaration that jesus is lord and they want to follow that but we see it in this whole myriad of ways that um, that is that disrupts my theology too. That disrupts how I see Jesus. There's me aspects of Jesus where you're going, I did not see that coming. I remember walking into the family's office one day, and I just had this sense, like, as like, you know, I've just been in my office, I have this sense like it's a day of like open windows, like pray for the miracles, like whatever's going on in your family, it's like, what are the things you want to see God do in your family? Like, pray for that. Um, because I feel like God's gonna answer some prayers today in in, in the families. And it was the next day, what I found fascinating was, it was the non-Christian members of the team who were coming back to me going, I prayed for this in my family, and this happened. You mentioned open windows. And when I went to visit the family, for the first time ever, the windows were open, and the whole atmosphere felt different. They, And you're just going, these are the non-Christians who are praying for the families and going, I'm seeing the spirit showing up in these families and in these situations. I, there's um, there's another one with the family which is really, it's, and it's a small thing. But you've got to keep your eyes out for these things. Like, um, remember, there's one day and my wife telling me a story, and this um, and this woman, um, one of the families you're working with, and this mother, really horrific story, really horrific life, and really problematic. They've worked with her for a long time, and she called up one day, and she was quite French. Go, I mean, can you can you come and see me? Can you come and see me? You need to come and see me. They're going fine. Yeah, someone someone can pop around. How can we help? Goes, Just can you come and see me? I need I need to talk to you. I need to show you something. I need to talk to you. They're like okay, fine. Yeah. So the link worker goes around to to see to see her. And when she gets there, she's like, she has all these packets of crisps or chips. You might call them. I don't know what do you call them in Australia. Is that right? Chips. Yeah. Like, multi packs of like twenty four bags in a multi pack. Like, and she has loads of them. And she's like, oh, I I was I was in the local shop and these were on sale because they were going out of date. So they'd reduced them all massively. So I just bought everything they had and I wanted to give them to you. Can you share these around the families, the other families you're working with, to help them? And and like I remember Rachel telling me about this, and she was crying. She was like, this woman has not had any capacity to see beyond herself at any point. We have walked wow. the journey. Her story is horrific. And for the first time, she's seen something and gone, someone else would benefit from this. I want to bless somebody else. I want to give something back that to somebody. That is profound. And, and that was the turning point. That woman then went on over, over the next few months to actually set up a peer support group 
for other parents who were going through the same things that she was going through, who were also in our family's program. They, but that was the moment for the first time there was there was something, wow. and you go and you might miss it because there's no worship music playing. It's not a response to prayer. There's no <laughs> like, so there's no healing as such, or like she wasn't in a wheelchair now she's out of wheelchair. We've had some of those stories, but like it's it's small in some ways, but it's enormous in other ways, yeah. and it's keeping your eyes tuned. For that yeah, stuff. Right. And keep and looking out even in unexpected places, isn't it? It just the spirit just keeps showing up. And then and I mean there's another one which is quite there was during the pandemic, um, and there was we were running this support um around the homeless and um around medical care for the homeless as well. And and we were also the vaccination center. And there was this um girl that started coming um every week. And it turns out the reason she was coming was because her mother was volunteering and she had to come because she was on suicide watch because she was in such a dark place that she couldn't be left alone. So her mum's helping volunteer at the vaccination centre and she has to come along. And But it only took a few months and then she started, then she didn't have to be on suicide watch, but she just asked if she could regularly come along and, and join in with our homes programme. Now she helps lead aspects of our homeless program. Um, and and she will openly say, this changed, this saved my life. They, before I had, you know, absolute classic story of salvation or story of like life transformation that you would hear. But it just came out of nowhere. Her mum, who wasn't a Christian, didn't have any faith, just wanted to help some people during the pandemic. And this was one way she could do it. But had to bring her daughter with her because the daughter was on suicide watch. And then the daughter's life gets totally transformed. And the mother's life gets transformed because she's going, well, I've seen what's happened to my daughter. And like, they, we see those sorts of stories too. Like the spirit mm-hmm. shows up. But yeah. for us, it's about it's not about choreographing the spirit. We don't get to do that. We, we create space within which God can do things. I remember saying, God said to me a few years ago, he said, stop doing things for me and create space within which I can do things. Wow. And it's a it's a posture shift. Yes. I, and I think I, we can do that in our communities. We can make space for God to show up. And to have that expectation that God will show up. Because, I because wonder, God is always with the poor and the broken and the marginalized. Yes. God is always with them. They, that that's where God shows up the most keenly. I think you're highlighting the the crucial role of the Spirit because I I think sometimes we forget Jesus said, "Go into all the world and um, take my kingdom, the good news of my kingdom, wherever you go." But sometimes we forget that Jesus also said, "I will give you my Spirit to continue mm. the ministry of Jesus and the mission of Jesus," and therefore. It becomes a divine human partnership. We wow. are doing this together. And I think so many times we just focus on what we do, the human part of it, but miss completely miss, hang on, the Holy Spirit's in charge of this. The Holy Spirit's already at work. The Holy Spirit is already reaching out, and we're invited into that that right. process. The, 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 the missionary God is a God of initiative. So... Um, I, I think what you said, making space. I'm just, I'm just as we come to a close, Adam. I'm just thinking for those people who are out there listening, thinking, how can I ramp up the role, the 
maybe not ramp up is the wrong word. I've just contradicted myself. How can I put a greater spotlight on what the spirit is doing, at least shift my focus? And I I think you've talked about expectation. You've talked about keeping our eyes open. I wonder if the other thing is uh, we started this podcast talking about the work of the spirit in your life personally, Adam. I wonder if that is a really great starting point, that when we start to understand in our own personal walk to listen to the spirit, to follow the spirit, um, it may even lead to negotiation um, or at least working stuff out. Yeah, I found that I found negotiation doesn't always work, but (laughs) sometimes the process is important. But I wonder, you know, I often think just listening to you, the link between what God is doing through your community and your church now is deeply connected with your submission and surrender to the work of the Spirit in your own heart on your own journey. I wonder if those things are connected. I think they're I think they're profoundly connected, and the and in all sorts of mysterious ways, some of which I think I understand, and a whole bunch of which which I don't I don't think I understand. But it's this, it is this, it is this making space for God, making space for God to show up, looking at things through the through the eyes, and allowing ourselves to be disrupted by the other. Who are the people we sit with? What are the situations we put ourselves in? That that's part of making space for God. If we live in a sanitized world where we only ever meet people who are like us, there's there's not as much space for God to show up there. I am I am disrupted and I am challenged when I see God working through people and going, you know, I never never occurred to me that mm. like God could use that person in that way mm. or um, God would show up in that situation in that way, or you know, there are there are stories and rhythms of hope all around us because hope is right at the core of our gospel, and and you'll see them everywhere. They 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 just resonate everywhere. They resonate in conversations all over the place. They resonate in TV programs that you you know you kind of go, why are my kids watching this trash? And then you sit and watch it with them, and you find yourself kind of going, but there's a beautiful moment of hope in there that I I wouldn't have seen otherwise. Like and there's, I think it's about having those. It's about having those lenses on, but it's allow. It's about allowing God to do the work in us. You know, one of the things that I find frustrating is, as a church, we pray for renewal all the time. Like we're always looking for renewal, and I think God is up to something. Like there's a, there's a shift going on. Like God is up to something, but we're always looking for renewal. But we forget the fact that renewal always starts in us first. Like we want we want to be spectators of renewal. We don't want to be participants of renewal um, and recipients of renewal, but it always starts with us first. And what is, you know, to bring it back to the, um, bring it back to one of the reasons why I'm involved in Jesus Collective is because this is about a Jesus-centered model. Like not the bounded set model where we define who's in and out by how they behave or what they believe, but a Jesus-centered model that says everybody's in, but we gravitate around the center, which is Jesus. And everyone gets to orientate themselves towards Jesus and gravitate towards Jesus. In that, there is an invitation for us every year, every month, every week, every day to ask ourselves, am I am I closer to Jesus today mm-hmm. than I was yesterday or last week or last month or last year? Am I gravitating towards Jesus? Am I pursuing him? Am I being transformed by him? Am I more in love with Jesus now? than I was before. 
Like, and that's the work of the spirit in us. That's that's the stuff only the spirit can do. Like, that's the work of the spirit in us. Then that transformation happens in us, and then we start seeing that springing up all around us because we get to see people differently. We get to engage with people differently, and that, so I think allow it to start in you, but also put yourself in situations which create space for the spirit to show up. Mm. I love that. That, that whole posture of looking and listening and watching for the spirit and understanding that this mission that we're on is not just about us. It's not about yeah. what we're doing. It's about what God is already doing through this. And spirit. listen for his correction too. Like, yes. Spirit corrects me a lot of times. Like, goes, enough. Like, no, not that. Yeah. We're going this way. Yeah. No, don't, don't walk down that street. We're going down this street. Like, the spirit prompts me on little things. All the time. They're certainly not disconnected, are they? I think relationally we have this relationship with the spirit that's deeply personal but then orients us towards others. Isn't that true? I love that, Adam. And you're a living, breathing example of that. Um, I'm inspired by your work, your ministry, your testimony and and your life. Um, And I just want to say thank you for coming on to our God Conversations podcast and sharing. Just as we were listening, I'm thinking there's so many people out there that need to hear this message. And if this is a podcast that has resonated with you, I encourage you to share it far and beyond, not just to to church leaders, but to people who want to follow Jesus and see the kingdom come in their lives as well. Adam, um, if someone wanted to connect with you a little bit more, I know that you are part of your website, which is local, but you're also on the leadership team of Jesus Collective. Where would they find you? Where do they go? So, yeah, you can go to www.jesuscollective.com. Um, dot com, or you can go to um, www.yeovil.cc. That's my church website. JesusCollective.com is the Jesus Collective website. Um, you can find my book on Amazon. Um, what if God's not like unknown? What if God's not like that? Um, but and yeah, and then I'm a little bit on social media. Um, but if you go into my church website, you can listen to a whole bunch of sermons but um and then jesus collective there's all sorts of podcasts and conversations going on on there beautiful well thank you adam thank you for staying up very late on the other side of the world and thank you for your incredible ministry and your example we've absolutely loved having you on our podcast talking about the work of the spirit in the community today so bless you thanks guys we'll see you next time thanks for listening to god conversations with tanya harris Don't miss the next episode by subscribing to the show on your favorite podcast app. And remember, the Holy Spirit was given so we could all hear God's voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation.